lies, shenanigans, truth, lies, shenanigans, truth, lies, shenanigans, truth, lies, shenanigans. Everyone, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans. I go by the name Neo Nix, and I'd like to thank all of you guys for joining us. It's March 3rd, 2021, and for today's show, we'll have our spotlight on author Frank Zakan Jordan to speak with us about his numerous books on the unmentioned and untold culture of, and history of African Americans. And later in Hot Topics, Jose guest host tonight for Lizzie. Will should be showing us how the GOP is embracing Nazi symbols. Robbie Rock asks if Canadian hairdressers should be required to learn to style black hair. And Johnny Storm wants to acknowledge Women's History Month. And of course, make sure you stick around till the end for our game show where we'll be doing Women's History Trivia. And as always, we need your support. So go ahead and share this live feed with your friends and anyone you think might want to listen in. But before we get into it, let me introduce you to my wonderful co-hosts, our very own literal rock star with the amazing rock band Fallen Machine. Coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Robbie Rock. Oh, hey, hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So I, you can tell that I'm in need of a little bit of time off, which I've treated myself to in the pandemic. I decided to use my vacation time to do some bookends on the weekend. I've taken a week off just yeah. to recharge. Feel good. All right. Sounds good. You need a week off. I think all of us do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Then we have streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, college student, model, actress, and co-host of our new show, TLS Unscripted, Miss Gianni Storm. Hello, guys. Happy hump day. Um, I missed you guys on Sunday, but it was really good seeing O in my position or in, in, this, or in my position. I'm so privileged. But no, in, in um, co-hosting. So um, I'm glad to be back. I'm I'm very excited to get into the topic today. Now, can you do something for me real quick? Remind people when and where they can watch you on TLS Unscripted. Yes, you can watch Olivia E. and me, Gianni, on Unscripted on Instagram on the TLS Live Show Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern <laughs> Standard Time. All right. And filling in for our Lizzie, who's still joining us online. So Make sure you're commenting online. Also from Sudbury, Ontario, if you follow us on Twitter, this is the woman behind the TLS Twitter page, Miss Jose. It's me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for tonight. Welcome back to the show, Jose. Thank you. So for those who haven't figured it out, Jose is Rob's, Robbie Rock. Better half. She is. <laughs> and she's an awesome addition to the, the show. Better half. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Definitely the better of the half. <laughs> All right, guys, I have a quick fire question for you. Six Dr. Seuss books have been pulled by the publisher for racist content. But here's my simple question Was Dr. Seuss teaching a lesson that's full of racism and oppression? Johnny Storm. I have a rhyme. Today, you are you. That is truer than true. Seuss's books represented Black people. The percentage is two. <laughs> Jose. <laughs> awesome. I have a little rhyme myself. 
Ignorance is bliss. Should you live in these no tolerance to be discriminant, time for change is imminent. Imminent. I love it. And I have. I love it. Was he doing something immoral? Maybe. Because he lived in a time when all of that was normal. Robbie Rod. Values grow with time, with reason and rhyme. What was, what was once thought of as great can now come off as hate. Use tolerance, understanding, and respect to figure out which images to vet. We know better now, so racist pictures, disallowed. <laughs> disallowed. All right. Good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the six books are, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran to the Zoo, McGilligut's Pool, on Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, The Cat's Quizzer. And I should point out, his daughter has since suggested a, decla- a disclaimer instead of censoring. And uh, many libraries are fighting against censorship. Um, have any of you guys read any of these books? And did you find the imagery or words racist? I'll start with Gianna. Well, I, I, you went, ran through them fast, but I feel like I may have. Honestly, when I used to be young and, and look at Dr. Seuss books at the library, I would love them like because they were so kooky and funny and, and I would talk like that. Um, but I do remember feeling like I don't see a lot of black people. But at the time, I felt like that was for every book. Like it was it was for a lot of popular books that I loved, honestly. So, um, yeah. Robbie? It, um, I, I used to buy the books for the kids. I read the books to the kids and I never came across any messaging that I can really recall as being overtly racist. Um, but as I was looking at some of the images that we're talking about, I can appreciate uh, where this is coming from. Um, I can't remember which book it was specifically, but it shows just a long row of Chinese migrants coming through for the gold rush. And the way that they're depicted is very much a caricature of a Chinese person. They're all coming in with their little English bowler hats, little round glasses, little Fu shoes, the buck teeth. And it's just like, okay, so the story isn't racist, but that image absolutely is. So, and like, you know, it's like we've alluded to before, what was okay then, doesn't doesn't hold up now and it's good to see ideas evolving and changing i hope that the books just really get a retooling because that's all they need was that your thought read the books when i was younger i even had a lot of the books uh early 20s to be honest with you and it is amazing what you now that you revisit it because i don't remember those books as being as such and now that i'm going through them and i'm looking at you know the pictures this is when i'm going oh hey you know like this was wrong and was it tolerant back then no but i guess it was we didn't really talk about it right mm-hmm. it should have never have been tolerated but more so now so getting rid of them uh, there's so many books that he that he wrote. I don't think we're going to miss them. Hmm. Good um, so my thought is, you know, could he have drawn racially ambiguous characters? He could have. I mean, but if you again, and I alluded to this in my my rhyme, is that you know he was living in a different time. Um, now there it, there is some reference that he, um, uh, you know, had other drawings and other things that were overtly racist. Um, 
And I don't know, but he, he drew a lot of ambiguous characters. You know, he, and like I say, he's a product of his time. Um, and if you think about like Cindy Lou Who, you know, her character is of a, of a white person. Sometime later in history, it's quite possible this might seem offensive to white people who may at some point be actually be the minority on this planet. Um, actually, I think they're the minority on the planet, but maybe the minority in this country. So um, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, yeah, like I say, I, I don't know if we have to pull the books because I'm not big on censorship. I, so I don't know. Censoring is not necessarily, the, in my opinion, the way to go. These are historical books. He wrote these in a, in a different time. Uh, I agree with a disclaimer of some sort. So that, that's my thing. All right, so tough one, tough one here. <laughs> this quick fire was a little, a little slow. But uh, <laughs> if you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about us. Our hosts and guests share their truths and opinions with you, call out those lies, and point out any ridiculous shenanigans going on. And on our show, we always try to have fun with shenanigans of our own. Truth Lies Shenanigans streams live just about everywhere, and you can find us on YouTube. Just go to tlsshow.com or search TLS Live Show across all major social media platforms. Also, make sure you subscribe to the audio version of the podcast on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. Now that we've gotten a little bit of shenanigans out of the way, it's time to get some truth from our guest spotlight. Today's spotlight is on author Frank Jordan. Hey, Frank, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. Well, <laughs> let me quickly introduce you to our audience. Frank Jordan was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, where he was fascinated with the unmentioned and untold culture and history of African-Americans. This prompted Frank to write seven Black history books, including two Amazon bestsellers in 2012 and 2014. He received many literary awards, including a 2018 Book of the Year at the Nat Turner Museum for his book, Uncovering the Evil of America, What the FDA and CDC Failed to Tell You. He believes his job is to educate African Americans on the unmentioned greatness and genius of what we have achieved and contributed and accomplished throughout the earth. Frank, I'd like to thank you for joining us. And I'd like to let our audience know we've added a link to the description so you can check out his book on Amazon. So thank you for joining us, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I, listen, I appreciate you more than you know. Thank you. All right. So to start things out, I want to simply ask, how are you holding up during the pandemic? And also, I wanted to give you a chance to add anything you, we might have missed from your bio or maybe something we can't Google about. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. You know, I want to say all praise to the most high. You know, um, that's one thing that you missed. You got to give honor and praise to the supreme being. Um, but how am I doing during the pandemic? Um, I'm, I'm staying safe. Um, you know, you can't believe everything that you hear, number one. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something, you know, that's out there that's um, pretty much um, decreasing the popularity and, decrease, you know, decreasing, you know, the, the population. Uh, but, you know, in a sense, like you said, we can just be safe um, and just try to, the most important thing is change your diet. That's the most important thing. Um, okay. Lots of vitamin D, go out in the sun, soak up as many sun rays <laughs> yeah. as you can. I need a little more sun. I need life. a little more sun. I, hit my, I was hey, noticing hey. my head needs a little more sun. I need. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> Your head. 
So all your right. head's going to be tan. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get a little tan. All right. So I'm hoping you caught our quick fire question about Dr. Seuss's books being censored for what is being characterized as racist content. And you seem like the perfect person to ask this question. So first, do you believe his books are racist? And what are your thoughts about the censorship? Um, you know, what's funny is that when, you know, you were talking about Dr. Seuss, you know, in in regards to racism. As a kid, I never really read too many Dr. Seuss books, to be <laughs> honest with you, um, but I do know about them. And I do actually know that they were a bridge and they were a, you know, sort of like a a, a sister or connection to what back in the in the late 1800s, what you would call a minstrel show, uh, when you had white Americans that were putting on black faces and they were exaggerating and going around and also drawing up pictures, you know, blacks with big lips and the big eyes with the bug eyes and, you know, the big ears and eating watermelon and um, having chickens in their hand. Um, and that pretty much was just a published, you know, book, you know, that was stemming actually from the minstrel shows, if you want to get technical about it. Yeah. All right. So, so you're, so do you believe they should be censored? Just real quick. Um, no, not at all. And the reason why I'm saying that is because these are conversations that we have to have, you know, why would you want to censor something that we, that we, it's reality right in your face. Every day? Thank you. Thank you. That's you know, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why people get, you know, you know, that, that, they're, 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 you know, their britches in a bunch. When you see stuff like that and you, oh, my goodness, you know, is, you know, let's censor it. You know, these things happen in America. These are conversations that we have to have. Me personally, um, let it stay, you know, just let it stay, um, you know, just so people can be educated on the book itself and the propaganda that goes along with it and the detail and, and the history on stuff like that. Because if you don't know any history. You don't know yourself. You know, you're just existing. Yep. All right. Um, Tom, I see some comments online that I just want to get to real quick. Um, so uh, Olivia says, yes, sir, power. You started this off with power, sir. <laughs> Talking to you. She also says she loves to see a, a melanin author. Um, uh, Lizzie Enders is telling me this is not censorship. Uh, and then Mike Winter says the same thing. Sensitive is not the same thing. All right. So let me ask you this, and I'll get to the questions from our co-host. But um, what is your goal when you write your books? Uh, many of the titles are pretty deep, inspiring, in some ways inflammatory to some groups of people, um, as you're pointing out, many atrocities of this nation, right? So what do you hope people will get out of reading your book? Well, the whole, the whole American educational system um, has not only, um, you know, pretty much just misguided, you know, um, our history. When, when we were kids, listen, when, when we were kids and we was going to school, most of the time we learned about American European history. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone can agree with that. And um, that's okay if you're European, because, you know, now you're learning about your forefathers. You're European. I mean, it's okay to learn about George Washington and um, Ben Franklin and Sir Isaac Newton and it's okay because, you know, those are their forefathers. But very rarely seen, very rarely taught, you had, you know, the, the, the curriculum of the school systems in America that teach about the greatness of Blacks. They may show you Martin Luther King marching to Washington, um, begging, 
Um, or they may show Marlo the King in a spray with a water hose, Jesse Jackson. Um, that's a different topic for a different day. But they may show things like that, but they exclude certain things out of our history that may just shock America. The knowledge I'm going to drop on y'all today, it may sting a little bit, but the truth hurts. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, Bobby Rock, did you have a question? Um, yeah, definitely. I got a couple of them. So while I was doing uh, my little bit of research, I discovered that you do refer to yourself as a lifelong learner, which is an ideology that I completely embrace. And I was wondering if you could just speak to our audience about the importance of remaining a lifelong learner. Oh, once the learning, once the learning stops, once the learning stops, you know, I, I, look, I'm still learning. I've been doing this for 32 years. I'm still learning. So. You know, as a learner, everything changes, you know, daily, everything changes yearly. If you're the person that you don't need to be taught anymore, you know, look, you don't belong on this planet. You know, you need to be calling people earthlings, okay? Because you don't belong on this planet. You belong someplace, you know, <laughs> up in the celestial beings, okay? Because every day, everything is changing. History changes every day, every month, every year. You know, um, the sun comes up, it comes down, you know, everything, you know, in, including the planets, they shift. So you, you have to learn every day, you know, even when you go out in society, you know, learning, you know, about the government, what they entail, what they're doing, the pandemic, the, the COVID-19, you have to learn every day just to say that I'm done. You know, um, there is no more learning for me to do. <laughs> you don't belong on this planet. <laughs> Insane. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I actually have two questions for you. They're kind of different, but the first question I'll ask is which one of your books would you recommend for people that that um, are learning uh, black history and that are black? Which one? Which the yeah, which which book of yours would you recommend for them to get started? Yeah, you, you know what? This was actually my um, my sixth book. It came out um, came out last year. It's called We Were Once a Family. And uh, what this book entails, actually, you know, surprising history in here as far as, um, you know, inventors, uh, black inventors, you know, as far as a corn plant, the Henry Blair, uh, the, the guitar was invented by Robert Fleming. A lot of people don't know that, um, you know, and a lot of things people don't know as far as Louis Latimer, he invented the, uh, the light bulb, the filament for the bulb. And a lot of people I know will say, oh, no, that was Thomas, you know, that, that was Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison created the shell. He yeah. created the light bulb, the shell, the glass. You can't light the bulb without the filament. So, yeah. you know, the bulb was just a, it's just a, a, a Coke bottle, actually, you know, without, you know, without the filament lighting it up. <laughs> you know, so, you know, Louis yeah. Latimer doesn't get his credit. And another thing also, um, a lot of important things that um, our people don't know. I'm going to hit you with another one. William Shakespeare. Okay. I know this is going to shock you. And I know, hey, listen, like I said, the true birds. William Shakespeare was a black man. I imported actually these pictures from a book from England. Wow. William Shakespeare was just a black man that was living in England. That was about it. And when you go back to his neighborhood, um, William Shakespeare, um, he was around uh, in the 1500s, 15, I think 1564 to 1616 is when he died in England. And when you go back and when you go to the William Shakespeare Theater, William Shakespeare actually lived in the hood, actually. You know, when you go back and look at the <laughs> Uh, when, yeah, William Shakespeare lived in the hood. The Shakespeare Theater that's still over there in England, it's in the hood. It, it, it's actually in the hood. Um, the story about um, Romeo and Juliet, that was a story, really, when you think about it, it was a story about two black kids in love. 
you know, um, the way when you when you look at the play and, and everything and, you know, uh, uh, Romeo says your skin is just as dark as the night, you know, and, and it's a fun thing. Casanova was a black man. Well, Aristotle was a black man. Here's another one. Socrates was a black man. OK, he was just a black man. Socrates was just Sorry. a black man that was living in Athens, Greece. All right. His student, Aristotle. OK, he was a black man. OK, now this picture right here that I have in my book. OK, you can go over to um, over to Paris today and you can see this picture still on Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral. OK, on the West End, you can still see this picture right here. And the reason why this is very important, the reason why this is very important, and this is not made up. This is this is not made up. These are actually books, you know, that I had imported. You know, I've been doing this for 32 years. And the reason why it's so important is because we have to get out of that that mindset, you know, that we were just we just came over to America on <laughs> slavery and we just was whipped and we don't contribute and haven't contributed anything, you know, anything to America at all. You know, um when you look built up the black America. and we, we right, when you look up the black and listen, there will be no there, there will be no American history without black history. I mean, I'm let, let's not play with this. You know, uh, the riding saddle. You know, for horses, W. D. Uh, Davis. I'm you know the ink pen that you have in your pocket was invented by a guy by the name of um, W. B. Uh, Purvis. Um, the CCTV. You know that security was invented by a black woman by the name of Marie Van Van Brown. You know, so anything that you can think of, the wallet was built by the Native Americans. You know, so anything <laughs> that you could actually look at through your everyday uh, of life, look at look, look at Gladys, look at Gladys Mae West. Don't you know that's a black lady that's still living that invented the GPS system? Nobody yes, gives that. I'm aware of that. Right? Yep. The GPS, Gladys Mae West. That's right. Yep. Right. Pencil sharpener, John <laughs> Lee Love, yep. fire extinguisher, Tom Marshall. Yep. You know, the shoe, W.A. Delts. So it's <laughs> anything, the refrigerator, you know, John Standard. Um, hey, so you got to look at these things and you say, OK, well, where does <laughs> where does where does Steve Jobs and where does guys like um, Steve Jobs and, and, and the Apple owner? What's his name again? It was Steve Jobs. What's and what is the other guy name again? Uh, Steve Jobs and the guy with the round glasses, the bifocals. Oh, you know um, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, from Microsoft. Um, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, right, right, right. Now all of a sudden, now he's a medical scientist. He's a medical. <laughs> yeah, he knows all about oh. COVID. Gianni, did you have right, another right, another right, question, right, Gianni? Right. Yeah. Topic for a different day. Gianni, um, I was going to ask you about like where you get your research or where you get your information for people that want to um, do that for themselves. You know, some people like to see it for themselves. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I like to know hey, where you get your research. Hey, listen, Gianni, you can actually, I mean, there's a such thing as called a plane and you can travel. Go to go to Rome, go to go to Rome sometime, go to Jerusalem sometime, and look at and go and look at the paintings that are still in the cathedrals. Um, you can go to Paris, you can go to Germany, and they still have pictures up of our forefathers being black. Listen, this is a picture right here that's still over in Rome. <laughs> Okay, still over in Rome. And this is a picture that I know a lot of people, it's gonna rub a lot of people the wrong way. Don't you know this is a picture that's still in the Roman Cathedral, okay, of Christ? These two pictures right here, okay, the man has an afro. <laughs> and you got more pictures that's over there in Jerusalem, okay, of Abraham as being a dark man, 
Okay. And let me say this too, right? The same way, the same, the, the exact same way back then people would actually paint it what they saw. The modern day, listen, the modern day, the modern day paintbrush is what, Rob? It's the camera. So back then they actually painted what they saw. It's sort of like graffiti. You know, like back in the 80s, like graffiti was real big. Everybody was painting. You know, that's mm-hmm. the same thing that the people did back then, you know, during the time of Christ and Solomon and, and Job and Noah. You know, they painted on the walls, okay, what they saw. So the modern day paintbrush today is the camera, the same way that you'll take a picture of your mother, or you take pictures of people and you got them saved inside your phone. That's exactly what's over there in Rome and Germany. And may I dare say, even Russia, okay, you had kings over there ruling over there. You had guys in England like Charlemagne, okay, Maximilian. Okay, guys like that. King Arthur. These guys were black men. Okay, contrary to what Hollywood shows you, these were black men. Look, Rob knows what I'm talking about. He's shaking his head. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. As you were talking about your historical research, I was going to ask you about the Black Madonna, and you went down this rabbit hole already. (laughs) Because I've studied uh, a lot of Greek history and mythology, and the Black Madonna comes up as a theme. And that, that iconography exists everywhere, but it's been appropriated. It's 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 like blonde, blonde-eyed, blue-eyed Jesus makes people feel very comfortable. But he's from the Middle East. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> let me tell you, he looked more like Neo than he looked like me. Rob, let me tell you something. You were very <laughs> when I had man. hair. When I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rob. Let me tell you something. You're a very smart man, and I can respect that. Okay. Now this is this is um. One of our books that actually I got an award from is called Uncovering the Evil America. And Rob, you hit on something. Inside this book, okay, I had pictures of the popes, okay, of Rome, okay, in Vatican City, bowing down to a picture of Christ and Mary as being dark-skinned people, okay? And you can go to the Vatican City and you can visit this, and all the popes of Rome, they understand that Christ and Mary were people of color, all right? They understand that. Um, this is another picture, okay, of uh, the uh, the Russian leader, okay, he carries around, okay, Mary and Christ, okay, as black people. These are, listen, you can still go over to Russia today and you can find black images over there, you know, um, and there's all reasons behind that, you know, for, of course, you know, Rob, for white supremacy, okay, and white dominance, like you said, you know, the blue, long hair, the blonde hair, and the blue eyes, that is a man, uh, Gianni, his name is Cesar Borgia. You can write that down. You can look him up. He was the second-born son of Pope Alexander the Sixth of Rome, in which you had guys like Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and Rembrandt. What they did during the uh, 1400s, uh, Josea. Okay, what they did during the 1400s, which is known as the Renaissance period. And the Renaissance, Rob, you know, okay, your your study guy. The Renaissance period means to rebirth, redo, or renew. And what they was doing during this time. They was taking down and whitewashing all the black art, and they was actually redoing everything, okay, with white art. That, look, when you go over to Italy, take a plane over to Italy, okay? They got some of the best libraries. They got some of the best libraries, ancient libraries over there. Go go, go to Italy, okay? The statues over there, they look brand new. You know, they look like they just built them. But when you go places like Egypt and certain parts, okay, of the earth, you'll notice that all the black statues, the noses are chipped off, the cheekbones are chipped off. The, the, the paintings are scraped off. Mm-hmm. They did that for a reason. All right, Jose, do but, you have a question? I want to get your question in. Well, I know she did. She's been waiting. <laughs> she, she's been patient. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to 
say that uh, in the friendliest way possible that I creeped you today. Uh, <laughs> I am an avid reader and I am part of Goodreads. So I went on there and of course I clicked that I read all of your books and I just want to read comments that I found about some of your books. Uh, for the 500 years of American deception, unmentioned secrets, world history, some stores, the true history of America that should be told in schools. Most schools teach lies based on what most of would like to be true. However, if you go beyond the school textbook, you will find true history the author has discovered. Uh, another one, if you were a family, the disappearance of Black Soul and culture, your book, I have heard author's work in the past, and research brilliance gets better and better. I have Was learned that, a lifetime of knowledge. Unfortunately, I think your, your, your internet's a little bit choppy for some reason. Um, it's a little bit choppy. Let me, um, it's hard to hear you, so let me get to a, a different question. Okay. So what, um, what are your top-selling titles, uh, Frank? Um, we Once Were a Family, uh, the new one, uh, accident I just came out with is called Oh Say Can You See uh, the unmentioned uh, the unmentioned history on terrorism on blacks um, look you know slavery listen slavery was the biggest terrorist act that was committed on any people on this planet you know you're talking about all the way from the late 1500s all the way through the early or the late 1800s you know that was the biggest that was the biggest you know terrorism act that was committed on this planet Yep. You know, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody seems to be interested in that, you know, or they want to water it down, you know, and say, you know, different things. And, you know, that didn't exist. And, you know, come on, you know, give me a break. You know, I come on. That, you know, I think, that, that, I think that Jose's back up. She's, she's a little smoother now. Right, Jose, finish okay. what you're saying. All right. So essentially, it seems like your words are very powerful. And I want to see. What was an early experience where you learned that language and not only just language, but your language and your writing had power? As far as what, what do you mean? Like, as far as uh, what, when, when did I come into this? When did you come into this? And I've just noticed that a lot of people speak very highly of you as an author about your teachings. So your words have power. When did you right. realize that what you were writing was very powerful? Oh, I got you. Um, you know, I you know I wrote a one of my first books I wrote was called Not Just a Coincidence, and that book had garnered so many sales and it had garnered so much attention that in in in, in less than a year, I think the book probably sold maybe over eight to nine thousand copies in less than a year. Amazon uh, gave me a nice call. They wrote me a nice letter and said, we're going to have to take your book out of the catalog, out of our catalog for reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. This, this was a long time ago. Um, and, you know, I've been going back and forth with them about this for about the last past maybe 10 years, uh, Josea. You know, um, and, you know, so many people spoke positively about that book. Um, as far as the content that's in it, because it was just basically giving the reasons 
Why? You know, everything that we see, you know, as, as black Americans, you know, even when we step out our door, why do you got that guy on the corner selling drugs? You know, uh, uh, why we once during the time, you know, of, um, you know, of, of segregation, why aren't we like that anymore? Like what happened to the, all the black banks? What happened to all the black communities? So it answers a lot of questions. And it's, it, it's a very it was a very good conversation piece, you know, that really woke up a lot of people. So even to this day, for some strange reason, they will not put that book back out there. You know, it's a, you know, go figure. I'm going to call them tonight. As a matter you should, of fact. you should get it out there. So we do have some comments <laughs> online, and, and I just want to get those uh, read well, some of those off to you. Um, and thank you, Jose. Thank you. Yeah, great question, Jose. Thank you. So, thank you. Cherry I Blaine Priest. I agree with Frank. Uh, let it stay. We need to discuss and talk. Talking about Dr. Seuss. Uh, right. Let's see. Olivia says yes. Even in college, art school, art history, chronologically, um, history courses starts in Europe chronologically. It couldn't even be possible. I had to learn my own African history fact. Um, Jacqueline Robbins says, they're trying to rewrite history by claiming that Africans came to these shores as migrants in search of a better life. Randy Carr says, let's not forget Thomas Sowell, a brilliant mind. Um, Paulette says, hello, Jose. <laughs> and uh, let's see, we have uh, Lizzie Enders, one of our other co-hosts, says, I just want to say, it should not be assumed that we are not well-traveled or well-read. Got to put that out there. A question about research is simply inquiring about someone's research. Shouldn't be an assumption about someone's background. So. All right, Frank, uh, we are running out of time. So is there any last... I didn't point? quite get that one either, Gianni. I, I, I didn't quite <laughs> get that one either. I didn't take that as an offense, Gianni. You just asked the yeah, yeah. very... I think, she, I think she's defensive of me. <laughs> But she was, um, I think that she, um, yeah, I think that it was, it was read differently. Like, cause when I was asking you about, um, where you get your research specifically, and it's true, like traveling and, and kind of like seeing it for yourself, like in, in experience. So libraries, people forget about libraries. There's a such thing as called the library that people just don't even visit anymore. Definitely. Yeah. I'm a library, right? That's true. So I just want to give you a few minutes to say any last words, anything you want to tell people where to find you, where to find your books. We do have, again, we do have the link in our description to your books on Amazon. But yeah, please feel free to share anything you'd like to share. Hey, listen, I appreciate you guys. Number one, um, all praise to the most high. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Um, and, you know, one, just one last thing. You know, you can reach me. You can email me at Z-A-A-Q-A-N. 1212 at yahoo.com. And you can email me, and I'm not that kind of person that won't email you back. And um, if you want to ask any question, you can. Um, absolutely. I got a Black History School in Raleigh located at 817 New Bern Avenue. We open on Saturdays from 3 o'clock until 6. You'll learn more there in a couple hours than you have in four years in college. Trust me when I tell you. Well, that's amazing. All <laughs> wow. right. Again, check out his books. Check, click that link. Frank Jordan, thank you. thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you thank having you us. Having me. All right. Thank you. We'll see thank you again you. soon. All right. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Yeah. Pretty good guess. During Black History Month. Yeah, we 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 welcome him in Black History Month. So we got him the first date after Black History. We were so booked <laughs> up for February. We had a lot of people in February, so it's uh, yeah, so we, we did get him in the, you know, the next show right after Black History Month. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our hot topics. shenanigans. Okay. The way hot topics works, our hosts bring you a topic they want to share. I'll ask, is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? And our panel will talk about it for a bit until time is up. And then we'll go to our audience for questions and comments. So make sure you are talking to us in all of our threads. We are listening to you. So let's start off with Robbie Rock. Robbie, I understand they're suggesting adding the styling of black hair to hairdresser training in Canada, right? Is this truth, yeah. lies, or shenanigans? Well, this is truth after some shenanigans, uh, if you will. It's, uh, it's a wonderful little story. If you could please pull up the image of uh, Miss Falaise, that would Absolutely. just be Absolutely. sweet. So the person that we're getting on screen is Nancy Falaise. She's a Montreal hairdresser and uh, salon owner, and she's fighting to make changes to the province of Quebec's hairdressing curriculum. And she's really determined to draw attention to the lack of education about black hair and how to cut and style curly textures. Um, she is her parent. She's born of a Haitian father and a French Canadian mother, which explains those beautiful curls. Uh, my daughter had very similar hair in her youth. So as beautiful as it was, it caused her some grief as a kid. She wanted to straighten it. And uh, even throughout her adult years, she professes that she used a lot of uh, chemical and straighteners just to and treatments just to make things yeah mm -hmm. so she had a bout with cancer in her adult years and with her chemotherapy treatment lost all of her hair mm -hmm. on her head and when everything grew back she learned to truly embrace the beauty of her curls so in a more recent uh, excursion she uh, went to montreal and wanted to get her hair done and when she went to the studio, people kind of eyeballed her and she felt a little uncomfortable. And she ended up leaving it because they, she was told that no one could style her curls. 35 hairdressers in the salon and nobody could style her curls. So as a result, she has launched a petition calling on Quebec Education Ministry to make changes to the basic hairdressing curriculum. And so far, she's collected over 10,000 signatures. And I will be sharing the petition link in the thread. You're going to need Google Translate because it's French. <laughs> You're going to need Google Translate because it's French. But I, um, yeah, so, and any, all the experience that she picked up, all the training that she picked up for hairdressing was actually acquired in New York when she spent some time stateside. So she was unable to receive training to cut and style hair similar to hers in Canada. She received it in the US. So I just, I want to put it out. Is it time for change to the curriculum? And I guess for Johnny, a follow-up question would be experiences you've had with your hair. I guess you went to start with Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, absolutely. I think it's well overdue. I mean, there there is one demographic that makes absolutely no sense. So, I think that when it comes to um, the petition, I should see everybody's signature on that <laughs> because it's it's so many. And and we're speaking about Quebec, but even in if we're talking about America, it's only recently getting popular that there are black natural hairstylists. Now, when you think of a black hairstylist, normally we're thinking of people that are able to like do 
do um, weaves and wigs and extensions and things like that. That's not doing natural hair. So I've actually experienced doing my natural hair um, in growing up in Rhode Island, Providence, from Dominican women and Hispanic women. Um, my mother would do my hair. My hair was flourishing when I was young. You know mm. what I mean? Because I was in that demographic. I was in that area. But um, as I got older and I moved to North Carolina and Maryland and now I'm in Atlanta, it's just different. Um, there, like I said, now, only recently, probably maybe like 2018, have there been like the such thing of natural black hairstylists. Um, and even them is a little pricey. I don't mean to, don't fight me if anybody, if any of them watch this, but it is pricey to do something as simple as like, you know, twisting your hair to make sure it's in a protective style. So absolutely added to the curriculum. Even white um, stylists need to learn how to do black hair. It would be cool. It's something fun to learn. Black hair is fun. So um, it's, it's something interesting. And I think that American schools, American beautician schools should learn this as well. It should be mandatory. All right, Jose, your thoughts? Um, when I read, when I looked at the article, I didn't even finish reading it. I signed the petition. I signed it right away. And you can add <laughs> your name or sign anonymously, which is awesome. Um, I didn't realize that this was something that really wasn't taught in um, hairdressing school or beautician school. And I think it's really a shame for anyone with beautiful, thick, luscious locks that cannot get the proper care, if you will. And John, you brought up a really good point saying, you know, it's also expensive. So it shouldn't be expensive. It, it, you shouldn't be penalized because of your hair. This should be a service yeah. for everyone and affordable to everyone affordable that part yeah listen up canada <laughs> yeah no and i think it i mean it's not a bad thing for it to be just, not just in canada or quebec but um it should be a normal everywhere thing. i mean it, it should everywhere. be right. normal expectation and it should be just part of the learning process it doesn't mean that it has to be the primary thing that they learn i mean it, but you should learn how to work with all types of air exactly I mean, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, if curls, you want to be curls, a professional, yeah. I mean, it's it just uh, my wife, you know, has similar issues. I mean, you know, and it is very expensive to when when people are doing um, black hair. It's much. It, it, is. it can be much more. Expensive. They consider it harder. Yep. Yeah. So, and so they charge. Even when I was getting my hair done with like the Dominican women. They would charge me more, like recently, because they saw my hair texture was different. Her hair, mm -hmm. even black women, you know that your hair texture changes as you get older as well. So, super complex hair, and I think that like any profession, you have to learn the ins and outs of the the different things. Well, it depends depends on the profession, but it's the same thing this for is black one of those products too. I mean, where, they have like they have like even yep. sections of black products and expensive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know because yeah, you know uh, my wife give my wife eyes all that. <laughs> First hand experience. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Danny, did you change. have something else you wanted to say? No, that was it. Rob, did you have anything to say about it? No, I think that this is some really great discussion and I agree with all of your points. And the petition is really targeted at making changes with the Quebec 
education ministry. And as soon as public dollars are being used to teach people, then they need to be taught how to serve the entire constituency, the full demographic. So yes, I I fully endorse this initiative and uh, I hope that it picks up traction and I hope that it gets adopted in Quebec and it's a good idea. So yeah, let's share it out with everyone. Make sure that if you're getting government training in a government institution, that you should be getting a full curriculum. It'd be nice to also have black products in in every store because I know there's also been times my wife has gone to some stores in some areas where she can't find (laughs) the products that she's looking for. And it's like, oh my God. So I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm saying, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, predominantly white areas, (laughs) neighborhoods, you know. Or, or where the grocery store, or the, the Target is in a predominantly white neighborhood. She's, yes, that's Wanda. true. The stuff she's looking for. Yep. <laughs> I love Randy Carr's comments. It would appear that Rob and Neo have the hair issue under control. Yes. Done. <laughs> Shave you figured it, it and out. I'm done. You know it, baby. <laughs> you guys are ahead of your time. <laughs> All right, let me get some comments online. So they're actually coming pretty fast and furious. All right, Robbie says, yes. I mean, Kevin Thaxon says, Robbie, yes. The barbershops and military posts <laughs> rarely are able to cut black hair. Uh, there was a Polish lady who had a black fiance could cut my hair in Germany. Uh, there was also a Russian lady and a few Germans <laughs> married to black men, too. But other than that, yeah. oh, Olivia says, uh, and not just abuse our hair and whitewash it with straightening. Um, Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike Winter did make a note of uh, saying Black History, bring in for Black History. Mike Winter says, I'm Black every day, so we can discuss Blackness and history every day. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, that was a good conversation. All right, so that is that for that hot topic. Thank you, Robbie. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Again. All right, Jose, you're up next. Now, you caught the Republicans overtly using Nazi symbols. Is this truth, lies, or is this shenanigans? Mute it. We're going to say it's absolutely shenanigans at play. So it was the CPAC that just happened this past weekend, which is the Conservative Political Action Conference. It was held at the Hyatt Regency in Orlando. Now, um, there's a lot of he said, she said at this point between CPAC and um, the Wyatt, the Hyatt, excuse me, uh, about who basically let this go. But basically, from what I read is CPAC organized were working with the Hyatt. And this has been going on weeks and months. The weekend is here, and then someone miraculously notices that the stage resembles what they call an Ophala ruin, which is date back hundreds of years and was adopted by the Nazis as part of their attempt to reconstruct a mythic Aryan past. And now it's since been incorporated by white supremacist groups in the United States and Europe, and just even just recently. So now people are saying, well, we've never noticed that the stage looked this way. <laughs> Do you not think 
if you are designing, drawing something, it would have jumped out at you. Now I'm thinking <laughs> it was somewhat done. I think they knew what they were doing. And to me, I'm asking the panel, do you think they knew that what they were doing? Let's remember, this is CPAC. This Trump was the star, right? So what right, say it, you? And if you look at the, uh, uh, I have, I'm showing on the screen a picture of a Nazi um, soldier wearing mm -hmm. on his collar a rune um, or, or an image uh, symbol. And just below it, we're looking at the stage, and it is exactly the same design as the stage, a Nazi rune. I mean, exactly. It's not even, it's not even slightly changed or different in any way. It's the exact shape of the rune. And I would like to add, Neo, that part of the design also, there was a lighting fixture in the exact same shape and design as the stage that was suspended above it. So double down on the construction. Um, so Gianni Storm, what do you think? This was, um, I can see the conspiracy theorists having a field day with this, but this is definitely <laughs> intentional. Even if it was, um, no, it was intentional. You have to think about it. This is, these are like lawmakers, leaders of people that are governing societies. Like they know what is going on, especially the people production or whatever that's working the um, the lighting or the setup and stuff, they know exactly what. So this was ritualistic. And I think that um, so ironic that Trump was, you know, the star guest. So it's, <laughs> I don't know, it's a lot to untangle. I actually didn't even know that. Um, well, I know a little bit about the Nazis, but I didn't, it's not something that I like research for mm -hmm. fun. So I no. think that um, I think that this symbol is it means something to them, and it would be interesting for us to know if you guys know. Let me know, but it'd be interesting to know like what that symbolizes um, in the scope of like power or like ruling, like the way they're 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 going to like use their power or influence on society. So one, it is intentional, and two, what is the reason it's there for? Like why why for ritual, for yeah. stirring right. up trouble, because they knew people were going to. Sorry. No, that. Mm. Yeah, no, just stirring up trouble. Like, what is the reason? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, there's a slight delay on your internet. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead, Robbie. Yeah, so the Odal ruin that we're seeing, so it's Odal based off of Odin, um, was used by some really extreme divisions of the SS, some very fanatical divisions of the uh, Nazi SS uh, regime. So once I saw the image, I really couldn't unsee it. And during this conference, they also had a golden statue of Trump. Um, which has been referred to as a golden calf, another false idol, if you will. So there was a lot of really weird symbolism weird. and imagery that was used. Yeah. So the Nazi movement had a, has a long history of appropriating iconography from different cultures and perverting it to suit their ideology. And from that, a lot of white supremacist movements have latched onto these images as well. And it's a shame because the original images were meant to inspire uh hope, perseverance, uh, eternity, life, 
and purity. It is a symbol yeah. of purity. For if mm. we go back to the Hinduism, it's a symbol of purity. But it's redefined it. The the not that's what happened. Yeah. That's it. They inverted it, they and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it just it seems fitting that a party that has aligned themselves with white supremacists would somehow find these icons in their midst. The politicians that are at the head of the show, Johnny, that are walking out onto stage are not involved in the minutia, so can't hold them responsible. But any of the planners, any of the staffers... I'm I'm going to say, you know, if I were to go to... If I were a guest speaker at this event and I were to walk out, do to do, hey, that stage, no, <laughs> you can bet your ass I'd be hightailing out of there somebody, because somebody it's, it's, it's wrong. That's true. It's absolutely, you know, they have a choice. They embraced it. I'm one, for, I, my brain loves symmetry. And when I look at it, it's a square platform with two extensions and many stages in front of curtains. But once you see the Odal ruin, you can't unsee it. Unsee it. Nope. And do I think it's coincidental? Perhaps, but it's just funny that it kind of aligns itself with the ideology that's been espoused for the last four years. The rise of Nazi yeah. Germany, I've alluded to Hitler's rise to power. And I've compared it to Trump and his fanatical fellowship. So this is just really fitting. And I hope that people will see it for what it is. Oh, it's probably subliminal. Oh, but oh, it became. It yeah, could be yeah. subliminal, but I doubt it. <laughs> I think Fair that's yeah. BS. I mean, yes, you're right. It would be subliminal because they got a lot of Nazis and stuff surrounding them. So, yes, one of the Nazis, one of the white supremacists that are part of their group, um, or or, or or putting this together probably had some type of, uh, or they've seen it somewhere, or you know it was in there wherever they were, it, it, you know wherever their groups are. Somebody showed this to them, or someone designed it specifically for this mm. to make a statement to those people that support Trump, because yeah. we know. His primary supporters are the white supremacist groups. Those are his loudest supporters, the loudest supporters. So for us to kind of, I mean, it's not hard to put two and two together and come up with four. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) it's possible that, you know, you know, one plus three plus one plus one minus six and, and all these other things. Yes. And eventually you get to four. But this is pretty direct and straightforward. It's very clear. We know the people yeah. he surrounds himself with. We know the people the yeah. GOP are courting, actively courting right now. Those are the people that they want to vote for them. So there's no doubt that this is some symbolism designed to directly towards those groups. This is mind. like masonry. I might be wrong because I'm, I'm like I said, I'm still learning, guys. But like, <laughs> I think that masons use symbolism. Yeah. Um, as like a main, mm-hmm. like their reasoning for everything. Like symbols are more important than text to them. Yeah. So this is like, this reminds me of me. Yeah. Was this their bat signal? All right, Jose, we, we took all your time. Did you want to have any final comments? I know you did good. say what yeah. you thought, but any, any final thoughts on that? No, no, we covered it all. I just thought, you know what? It's really interesting with all the chain of events, what's happening, and then you see this. All right, so we've got yeah. Kevin Daxon, but they have Black and Latinx work 
Get <laughs> GTFOH. <laughs> all right. Um, Lizzie Andrews says all these uh, events are well researched. They know that these what these things symbolize. Notice they didn't have a dashiki up there. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Jackson Robinson says, <laughs> based on the uh, some of the speeches, these people are no longer the fringe. Uh, they are they 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 and their fake golden calf mainstreamed white grievances. Absolutely. So. Well, I agree with with that aspect. I, I really believe that someone knew what this was going on. So, all right, that's a great hot topic. Good one. All right, it's time for the next hot topic. Lies, shenanigans. All right, Gianni Storm. Now, you wanted to make sure we acknowledge some amazing women for Women's History Month. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? This is truth. Um, so there's an article on the twelve most important women in history, highlighting them during March, which is considered Women's History Month. Um, so disclaimer, Women's History Month began as a local celebration in California and originally was in Women's History Week um, in 1978. After the movement gained traction for years, states began declaring um, the whole month of March as Women's History. Finally, Congress declared on March 1987 as the first official Women's History Month. So. Finally, here is a list of the 12 most important women in history, according to this article. Let's hear it. Um, Jane Austen, the romance comedy novelist originator. Anne Frank, iconic young writer and Holocaust victim. Maya Angelou, poet, singer, memoirist, and civil rights activist. Queen Elizabeth I, most successful monarch in British history. Catherine the Great a historic queen credited for modernizing Russia, Sojourner Truth, the most inspiring African-American abolitionist and women's rights activist, Rosa Parks, revolutionary civil rights activist, Malala Yousafzai, Ooh, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to say <laughs> that. Survivor you, you in... <laughs> okay, what Rob said, and Pakistanian <laughs> women's education rights. <laughs> Women rights activist Marie Curie, Polish pioneering physicist and scientist, Ada Lovelace, English mathematician and the world's first computer programmer, Edith Cohen, Australia's first ever female member of parliament, and finally Amelia Earhart, American pilot pioneer who flew, who flew solo across the Atlantic. Wow. And more. <laughs> All right, so what's your so question, So, guys, Jenna? my, yeah, sorry. My question is, do you agree with the names of the women on this list as being the most important women? Um, and who do you think should be added or maybe taken away from the list? All right, let's start with, uh, let's start with Jose, the other lady on the, on the panel. Um, do these women, do I agree with all of them? Uh, to be honest, some of them, I I've never heard of, uh, shamefully, but I love that I'm learning something new. Uh, what I absolutely love was that Jane Austen is on here. And like I was sharing pre-show is that she is one of my favorite authors. Mansfield Park is my all-time favorite book. I'm sorry, I'm a nerd and I will even watch the movie with Johnny <laughs> Lee Miller. Meow. Anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
do I agree with all of these? I would have to read more about them. Mary Curie, I remember reading uh, a book when I was in kindergarten, grade one. Um, it was an illustrated book and I was fascinated that it was like a woman scientist who I would yeah. love to see later on and that I think that absolutely belongs on here. And this young lady has my heart is Greta Thunberg. She's mm. in Stockholm, Sweden, mm-hmm. and she is she's known for the Greta effect, you know, um, climate change and everything. So I'm hoping to see her on there soon because um, she's uh she's she's a powerful young lady and uh nothing's gonna stop her and i don't think she's done for a while yet hi robbie um any emissions yeah there's a few glaring ones my mom my wife my daughter (laughs) my granddaughter yeah so i mean most important women in my life um i would have to go with maddie cootie as far as my favorite on the list, uh, it, because I truly appreciate her contributions to the scientific community and the inspiration that it has created for many other women to be involved in the uh, in the scientific community. One person I would like to see added is Jane Goodall uh, for all of the work that she's done with primates that oh, yeah. has helped us understand them and ourselves so much better through her. And fun fact about Jane Goodall, she has, I can't remember the name of the condition. I wish I would have researched it. It just kind of came to me. She is one of those humans who is unable to recognize facial patterns. So she can meet you and she will not recognize your face the next time. So she lacks that ability. And that's a fun little fact about Jane Goodall. She's actually come to speak at Laurentian University a few times. Another one that I really admire on this list is Malala uh, Yousafzai. Uh, an amazing advocate. I mean, to survive an attack like that, uh, to take a bullet in the brain because you want to attend school and to survive that and then to become the staunch advocate for girls' education internationally. Uh, uh, That young woman has my admiration and respect. So for me, I I have a lot of knowledge about... (laughs) Many of the black women on here, obviously, because of <laughs> grew up, you know, learning black history. Actually, you know, I love Sojourner Truth. I love Rosa Parks. Um, I, now, Maya Angelou is the top, the top twelve. I like Maya Angelou, no question. I just think there might be people higher on the list. In my opinion, my opinion, though. Um, like for who? example, I was shocked. That Harriet Tubman was left off. So mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman, I mean, she was, that was the biggest enough for me. She was, you know, enslaved. She escaped, uh, helped others gain their freedom as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. She also served as a scout, spy, guerrilla soldier, nurse for the Union Army during the Civil War. I mean, she was just a straight badass. And wow. I just, I mean, I was, that's what I'm surprised about that list. I mean, Harriet Tubman, even even over the other black women on on the list, um, but yeah, that's that's my that's what I think. But yeah, that's just my thought. Yeah. I agree. I feel like Harriet. That's actually you bringing it up just sparked my memory. Like, why isn't she on here? Um, but I will say Maya Angelou is. If this was a top twenty, 20. she should be there. I give you there. I, I think that yeah. 
I think that Maya Angelou was very, very influential. Um, and also just the like the struggles that she went through. Well, we can say that a few times. But I will say Ada Love Ada Lovelace. I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce her, her name, but the um world's first computer programmer. I saw her, uh, I read a little bit about her because this is my first time hearing her, and I just thought that she was very interesting. Um, because she came from a royal family or, or she came privilege a little bit, but she still saw a lot of like uh, opposition and, and struggle because she was a woman at that time and trying to be a mathematician, trying to invent things. Her, her um, like, I forget, I think it was like coding. Her code. And, um, and that's just it. If, and accepted. If, yeah. If you're later. talking about computer coding, like in 1856, we're talking about stuff that's very punch card driven, that's very mechanical, very mechanically driven. It's, you know, there's always something actuating something else. So we can't think of it in terms of what we think of as far as computer language. We, yeah, we, we have to think of it as machine language. And it's very yeah. complex that, that she pioneered that is, is an amazing, amazing wow. accomplishment that we've benefited from. So that's even harder because it is like, oh manual yeah it's, it's not just picking up a browser <laughs> and doing something in flash or whatever the flavor of the day is it's this is inventing it from scratch and this was machine language it's a very complex that's wow. uh, so yeah that she she belongs there big time yeah brilliant all right so i've got some great comments online so olivia says um where's mary the mother of jesus <laughs> not on the list <laughs> All right. It made me laugh. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Kevin Daxon also said, my mom, Mike Winter says, not meow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so Vanessa G says, uh, go Jane. Uh, Lizzie Anderson says, if you have Rosa Parks, you need to have Claudette Colvin, who did a bus boycott before Miss Parks. Uh, Mike Winter says, uh, <laughs> Bro, I don't even know. So Jane Goodall's condition, according to Wiki. Oh, okay. Prosopagnosia is Jane Goodall's condition. Oh, yeah. All right. Vanessa G also suggested Mary Shelley, Florence Nightingale. Uh, Kevin Thack says Harry Tubman was a kung fu badass. (laughs) (laughs) Jeanette Brown suggested Michelle Obama. Um... Kevin Daxon says, Nikki Giovanni. Mm-hmm. Lizzie Andrews says, if you have Anne Frank, where is Harriet Jacobs? Uh, Vanessa G also suggested Heidi Lamar, who invented the wireless. All right, that is it for Hot Topic. Great oh. job, guys. Thank you, Gianni. Nice. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, as always, we love to end our show with a fun game. So here, let's do it. All right, for today's game, we have (laughs) women's history trivia. All right, just for you, Gianni Storm. Real simple. We'll go around the horn. I'll ask each of you a multiple choice question. If you choose the correct answer, you get a point. And the person with the most points wins and gets our final thought for the show. All right, so we are going to start off. We're going to start off with Gianni since it was her time. All right, so Gianni, I'm going to read it off to you. 
Who was the first woman to run for president of the United States? Was it Victoria Woodhull, Linda Jennis, Gracie Allen, or Jill Stein? <laughs> they said, um, I'm going to say Jill Stein. Maybe Jill Scott. <laughs> you thought it was Jill Scott. Um, no, Jill Stein. Say, no, it's not Jill Scott. It's, no, Jill um, Stein. Jill Stein. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, I have no idea, but I'm just going to guess C. C, you said C or Gracie Allen? All right. Let's see. Is it not coming up for me? Why is it not coming up? I got it. Oh. No, it's it's Victoria <laughs> Woodhall. Actually, let me reset this because it's not now it's coming up for me. All right, there Maybe we go. Of course. <laughs> All right. So it's actually Victoria Woodhull. Victoria Woodhull. Okay. Yes. Victoria Woodhull. All right. So now we got it working right. Let's see. All right. So that is incorrect. That is wrong. All right. So who was the first? This is Robbie Rock. Who was the first female artist to win a Grammy for Album of the Year, Robbie Rock? You should know this is a music one for you. Was it Ella Fitzgerald, Liza Minnelli, Judy Garland, or Taylor Swift? First female artist to win a Grammy for Album of the Year. Ah, let's go Ella Fitzgerald. Ella? All right, let's, let's see. Go with Ella. That is incorrect. No, it was Judy, Judy Garland. Garland. Incorrect. <sighs> incorrect. All right, Jose, this is a chance for you to take the lead. Wow. Let's see. All right. I'm on it. Jose, who was the first female Supreme Court Justice of the United States? With Andre <laughs> O'Connor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia Sotomayor, or Elena Hagan? Ooh, the second I one. Maybe I don't know. You're going with Ginsburg? Yeah. That would be incorrect. Incorrect. That's going to be screaming. Incorrect. Incorrect. Looks like, Canada. Uh, looks like we got a bunch of people got Julie Garland correct. But uh, let's see. Uh, did Kevin Thaxon, did you actually say Ruth as well? Uh -oh. He did. He did. Kevin Thaxon. Uh -oh. oh, wow. We're going we're gonna to have to send you up to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if Kevin said it. <laughs> right. All right. Yanni Storm. All right. Everybody's even. So, who was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize literature? Was it Harper Lee, Pearl S. Buck, Judy Bloom, or Jane Austen? I think it's Jane Austen. I think uh, I read that. I think let's see if you. That is incorrect. It was Pearl <laughs> S. Buck. Incorrect. Okay. We really need to work on our women's history, guys. All right. I need to work all right. on all history. Robbie Rock, who was the first <laughs> woman to earn a medical degree in the United States? Was it Virginia Apgar, Marie Curie, Cicely Saunders, or Elizabeth Blackwell? Uh, Cicely Saunders. Cicely Saunders, let's see. That is incorrect. <laughs> It would be Elizabeth wow. Blackwell. Elizabeth Blackwell. Woo! All right, Jose. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to laugh. I just saw Mike Winter's comment. I'm going to need you all to learn some history. Yes. Yes, you're right. <laughs> all right, Jose. This is, this is a chance to take the lead. Let's see. All right. Okay, you got to know this one. Who was the first woman to travel in space? Was it Sally Ride? Valentina Tereshkova, Slavilet, 
Verletna, Davis Kaya, or Lacey Armstrong. First woman to travel to space. I feel like. All right, I'm, I'm going to let horrible. you. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to let you get. I'm going to go with number two. Number two. Valentina, Valentina. Tereska. No, no, no. Sorry. The first yes. one. Sally. Is Sally that it? Sally? All right, Sally. let's see. That is incorrect. You oh. had it right the first time. <laughs> Should have gone with the Russian. <laughs> incorrect. You had Valentina Tereshkova. Always go. Everything first, except on the moon. The Russians beat right? us. Wow. They, get, they beat everyone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Gianni. All right. Somebody's got to get it here. All right. So, this is the last round. So, somebody's got to get a point here. All right. Who was the first woman to win an Olympic gold medal? Gianni Storm. Was it Billie Jean? Billie Jean King, I'm sorry. Margaret Abbott, Mia Hamm, or Charlotte Cooper? Charlotte Cooper. Charlotte Cooper. Let's see if it's Charlotte Cooper. That is correct, Gianni Storm. Yes. We got a winner. Correct. Yay. Correct. All right. We've got somebody on the board. On the, on the board. board. All right. Gianni. Go ahead, Charlie. You had me worried. I thought I was just going to do the final thought myself. All right. Bye. <laughs> so, who was the first woman? This is for Robbie. Who was the first woman to be appointed CEO of a Fortune 500 company? Was it Meg Whitman, Katherine Graham, or Catherine? Katharine Graham, Ursula Burns, or Sheryl Sandberg? Hmm. Ah, let's go Ursula Burns. Ursula Burns. That is incorrect. It was Katharine Graham. Katharine Graham. I don't know. It felt funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it is. All right, Jose. Last chance. Last chance. All right. Who was the first woman to receive an Emmy Award? Was it Shirley Dinsdale, Lucille Ball, Loretta Young, or Mary Tyler Moore? And since you're a guest host today, I'll let you ask the audience if you're not sure. An Emmy? That's for acting, right? Or is that singing? First woman to receive an Emmy Award. That's for TV. Shirley Dinsdale, Lucille Ball, Loretta Young, Mary Tyler Moore. I'm going to go with Lucille Ball. Your ball. Her. Oh. Final answer. Sure. That is incorrect. Incorrect. That means Gianni wins okay. the game. It was Shirley Dinsdale. Oh, Shirley Johnny. Dinsdale. <laughs> All right. Good job, right. Gianni Storm. Got one answer right out of nine. Or one for nine as a team. One for nine. Shame. <laughs> we really need to work on our women's God. history, guys. All right. My head, I hang my head. That was a fun game, but before we close it out, we got to get our shout out. All right, let's start out with Gianni Storm. What's going on? Who are you shouting out to? Um, Shout out to Olivia. Oh, as I like to call her, I will see you on Friday for Unscripted. Make sure you guys tune in if you are free on Friday at 6 p.m. On Instagram. Is it 6 p.m. or 7? Eastern time. We'll make... I'll figure it out. I think <laughs> okay. it's 6. 
It, you moved it to six. Okay. All right. So it's six now. All right. So Robbie Rock, what's your shout out? Uh, shout out to our girl Liz for joining in on the conversation and being part of the fun. I know it's never fun to have dental surgery and then talk. So I hope you're resting up and you're doing well, my friend. Really, it's lots of love. Heal up fast. All right, Jose. My shout out goes to my girls, Val and Carla, and their hubbies, Dave and Scotty. Thinking of you, missing you guys so much, and uh, hopefully I get to see you soon. Love you all. Take care. All right, and Gianni Storm, just to let you know, Olivia says it's 7 p.m. Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm repeating my shout out to Miss Nola Blaine. She recently moved down to a, she got a new condo. And before the show started on Saturday, on Sunday, uh, she saw a mouse, but she didn't get to watch the show. So I'm hoping she's watching tonight. <laughs> and we, we took care of the mouse, I believe, I hope. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. And hey, if you have a business event or person you want to give a shout out to, Follow our hosts on social media. Their information's on the uh, on the ticker below. So check that out. Um, any of their, and then they may just shout you out live. All right, and that is all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest. Don't forget, we need your support to keep this going. Like, follow, and subscribe at PLS Live Show. Also, if you'd like to donate, PayPal dot me slash TLS donate. If you missed any of today's episodes, subscribe on YouTube, catch the clips, replays, and don't forget to subscribe to the audio version on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I had a fun time today. I hope you did too. Our next live show will be at uh, March 7th, 8 p.m. Eastern time and 5 p.m. Pacific. JT, and it, and it, I'm sorry, I got the time wrong. It's going to be Sunday at 4 p.m. <laughs> I've <laughs> been messing up the time. <laughs> it's going to be Sunday, March 7th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have JT, an Atlanta fashion designer with his brand name, Logic. Also, be sure to check out Gianni Storm and Olivia, DLS Unscripted, Friday, 7 p.m. on Instagram. And we'll be restreaming the Instagram live on all of our usual platforms. So you will should be able to watch it somewhere. And our winner for tonight's final thought would be Gianni Storm, unless she wants to let Jose have it. Oh, yeah. I'll let you have it, Jose. <laughs> All right. <laughs> really? I yes. hang my head in shame. <laughs> All right. Jose, what is your final thought? The final thought is, um, you know what? I, I really uh, enjoyed what Frank had to say today and just never stop learning, continue learning, because um, if you think that you're done, you're not from this world. All right. Yeah. And I want to think it, send a special thank you to Frank Jordan. Make sure you order his books from Amazon. Use the mm -hmm. link in the description below. I'd like to thank you, Yanni. I'd like you to thank you, Rob. And I'd also like to thank our guest host, Jose. First time guest hosting. You did a fantastic job. And thank you. I had a lot of fun. It was great. And we'll we'll have to make sure we get you back soon. All right. All right, guys. Excellent. We will see you next time. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Truth,
Truth, lies.